0: Tonight we're going to talk about the gospel. I am so excited about this mini-seri- mini-series. Uh, I really believe that uh, every single individual needs to have a personal understanding and a personal passion to understand the, the biblical story of the gospel, the biblical telling of the gospel. Some of you are like, the gospel, and, and I know if I would ask the room tonight... Uh, What is the gospel? I probably, you know, there's probably 150 people in the room right now. I'd probably get 150 different answers. So my goal is, is by the end of this three-week series, that we'd have 150 people giving one answer. Because this is not, this is not a, subjective truth, or a subjective truth. This is not your interpretation of what the gospel is. This is not what my interpretation of what your school's interpretation or what your parents' interpretation of the gospel is. There is one interpretation of the gospel, and we find it here in God's word. And my hope is that by the end of this series, we would all have one explanation for the gospel because it is the hope of the world. So what I want to do, is I'm gonna, we're going to start off actually by discussion questions. So if you don't have, uh, it looks like everyone has at least uh, some people at their table. Like Andrew and Matt, if you want to go join a different table, you can totally go join. a different. Come join Eric right here. Come join Eric. So you're going to start by talking at your tables about this question, which i uh, throw it up on the screen. How would you describe the gospel to someone who's inquiring about your Christian faith? So talk about that question, how would you answer that? Someone's inquiring, they're an atheist, agnostic, maybe they're from a different religion. Um, and how would you answer that question? Okay, go for it at your table, take about five minutes, and, uh, and then we'll come back together. All right. I hope that you had a, uh, a good conversation uh, give me a hand raised if there was a little bit of confusion on like, not confusion, but some, not disagreement, but different interpretations of what the gospel is. Raise your hand if you had like some different uh, descriptions of what it is. So y'all agreed about what it is? Y'all, well, that'd be amazing and then we can just be done tonight. But uh, I prepared, so I'm going to talk either way, so... So here's a, tonight, here's what we want to do. A a personal understanding and passion for the biblical gospel is essential for anyone desiring to grow in their relationship with God. That, so there's your spirituality, which which is a buzzword for a lot of young people. Some people call it vibes. Spirituality. And so a lot of people are growing or attempting to grow in their spirituality. I would argue that, In order to grow in your relationship with God, we must have a biblical understanding of what the gospel is. We're not a understanding, a biblical understanding of what the gospel is. And so tonight, I want want you to turn. If you have your Bibles, if you have it on your phone, you can turn there. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15. And this is just an incredible passage that is so basic that anyone can understand it. If you've never heard the gospel, this will make sense to you. If you've heard the gospel, this will convict you and lead you to worship tonight. Because that's what, when we're talking about the song, we throw off the heaviness. And we put on this garment of praise The reason we do that is because of the gospel. It's because we've been saved. Because God's grace, his mercy, and his great love for us has rescued us from sin and hell. And he's rescued us from this place of eternal death. And that's why we look up and we say, We'll take off all this heaviness because this earth doesn't really even matter. I'm going to take off that heaviness, I'm going to put on this praise, put my perspective on the gospel, and I'm going to worship you for all of eternity. You see, it's not just about, I'm going to take off my depression. No, it's taking off your worldly perspective, putting on a a biblical understanding of what God is doing in our lives and worshiping. Does that make sense? And so that's where we want to understand the gospel, because it actually motivates our worship. If we understood the gospel more, our worship would be not that it can get like better, but it would be a thousand times more effective to glorifying God if we understood the songs and the, the reality of us being saved from hell into a relationship with Jesus, with the eternal one. So a personal understanding is super important. So we're in 1 Corinthians 15, hopefully I gave you time to get there. What you need to know about this, as we're reading the Bible, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth, which is, Corinth was was an economic hub in the first century, so a lot of, you know, a lot of in and out, people coming in and out of this city. So Paul goes there, he spends a year and a half there, and he basically starts a Christian church in the city of Corinth. Spends a year and a half, and then he leaves. And as he's leaving, he gets news that these Corinthian people, these these people in Corinth, start to mess up a little bit. So there's a bunch of division among the church. Huh, ever heard about that in, in America? There's division in the church. Yes, we can relate to this. There's sexual immorality. Oops, yeah, I think we can relate to that. There's, uh, there's all these issues that are going on in the church of Corinth. And I would argue much of what is happening in America today. So it's, Corinth, is it, this, this letter is super important. Super important and applicable to our life. The whole Bible is applicable, to, specific to America, really, really applicable. And so and the last thing that they were questioning is they were questioning the resurrection of Jesus. And here we find Paul writing a letter to the Corinthian people, and this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. Now, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to break it down. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have received... I passed on to you as if as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, as to one abnormally born so that's a lot right there but what Paul is doing here is he says he breaks down he says I want to remind you and I think in all of our pursuit of spirituality in America and in specifically with young people I, I feel like this is so important for us that we remind you of the gospel Remind you, this is Paul speaking, this is God speaking to you, remind you of the gospel. So we're going to go in a few different directions today. We're going to work through this text. And the first thing is the gospel. The gospel, he says in, in the first verse, I want to remind you of the gospel that I, Paul, Paul speaking, I preached to you, which you received, in which you've taken your sp- stand. S- in the second verse, verse two, it says, By this gospel you are saved. I, I put in bold this on purpose because there is no other gospel on which you can be saved. There is no other religion on which we can be saved. There is no other belief system in which we can be saved. And there is no other works that we can be saved. There is only one way in which to be saved. And it is through the biblical, the biblical account, right? We read in the Bible, of Jesus and what he did for humanity. This gospel. There are other gospels. There are other perspectives, religions, religions. There's other perspectives on salvation, on heaven and hell, on sin, on holiness, on the Trinity. There are other messages about Jesus that are not the gospel. And if we do not understand the gospel, we may be deceived by a false gospel. Which is why we say tonight that it is essential to understand the biblical gospel if you want to grow in your relationship with God. Because if we don't understand the gospel, we can hear something be deceived, go down a route that's not God, end up uh, up going down a route that's going to cause us destruction in the end. Understanding the gospel is so, so important so he says, keeps, we keep on reading in verse 3. It says, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. First importance. So he says, hey yo, this is the gospel that saves. And this gospel is of first importance importance to your and my life. Later on, or early in in this book, Paul, Paul is teaching about this, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, So it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. Paul is saying here, I don't even care about knowing anything else besides the gospel. It's of first importance. Galatians 6.14, Paul is saying again, he says, may I never boast except in the cross Of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying again, he's saying again, this is the most important thing that I could ever tell you. If there's one thing that I could tell you that would change everything that you can focus on for the rest of your life, it will change your relationships, your addictions, it will change your hopelessness, it will change everything a part of your life. This is the one thing, this is the one thing, the gospel. He's saying it's of the first importance. Now, what is first importance? What does that mean to you? If it's of first importance, my question is, should we have it nailed down, secured, cemented in our mind, our brain, and our heart? Should we have this cemented? So when someone asks us, what's the gospel? Are we like, well, it's good news, does that sound like first importance? My encouragement to us tonight is that you would go home and be so unsatisfied with not knowing what the gospel is. That you dive into your Bible. You dive into the word. And you write a journal. And you start securing. If someone asks you, you have an answer that you believe for to yourself, number one. And that you're willing to give it to anyone that asks. Because it will sustain you, your life, your relationship with God. It will save you from sin. It will rescue you from addiction. It will take you from depression. It will take you from everything. Not that you won't be on a journey, but the gospel is the answer for everything. Now, it's, it's a lot. there's a lot of work that goes into the gospel. There's a lot of dying to ourself and a lot of, of surrender. And there's a lot of relearning how to think about things. But the gospel in its nature is all we need. A personal understanding and passion for the biblical gospel is essential for anyone desiring to grow in their relationship with God. So he says this is a first importance. So what is the good news? What is the gospel that Paul preached? If he says this is it, the gospel I preached, this is the gospel, what is it that he preached? Not is it what do I want to hear? Or my preference is what does Paul preach? What's in here that he preached? Not what do I understand about what he preached. What did he preach? Because what he preached led you to be here right now. Let's go through it. I'm intense tonight, and I don't really apologize at all. I don't really apologize at all because, listen up, listen, guys. You guys, there's so much watered down Christianity today. There's so much water down, and they're going to they're gonna give you all these messages, and they're going to give you all these, and listen, listen, and we'll do all the creative stuff, but there's, there's, there's nights, and tonight's that night, where we sit down around a table, and we say, listen, guys, this is the real deal. I'm not going to entertain you. This is the truth. Sorry. Not sorry. You know, you know what I mean? This is one of those talks that we have tonight. So, what is the good news? 1 Corinthians 15, 3. First part, Christ died for our sins. Most of us in this room, maybe some of us, maybe half of us, I don't know, have heard this before. Why did, why did Jesus have to come? To die on a cross for my sins. You know, we ask the middle schoolers that, you know, here at church in the youth, and they're like, to die on the cross for our sins. You know, they're like, it's like this memorized verse like that, that we just know. And even if you don't go to church, you've probably heard this statement either by going to church at Christmas, Easter, or sometime, you understand that Jesus came to forgive sins, to die on a cross. But the problem is that it doesn't actually help you until you actually hear it preached to you. Because it's not a mental assent. It's not just knowledge. It's a heart. It's truth. And the truth sets us free. Christ died for our sins. Why did he have to do this? That's the real question. <laughs> Why did, you, why did God send, God, Jesus is God, he sent Jesus to earth to be born of a virgin, to actually come out of a birth canal, God himself, why did, why did God think of to do that? Was he like, we're bored up here in heaven, Jesus, go shake things up down there on earth. Just go screw with them, do some miracles and stuff, and they'll be like, what is going on? Go walk on the water, and they're just going to be like, whoa! And then just die and zoom on up deck to heaven, and we'll just laugh at them for the rest of eternity. Is that, what Jesus, is that why he came? I, no. I'm sorry. I'm, like, making myself laugh. That wasn't in my notes. I just made all that up, so I probably shouldn't just keep to my notes. Why did he have to do this? Romans 3 really has the answer. So we're in 1 Corinthians 15, now we're going to Romans 3. I don't have this on on the screen because it's a really long passage. And this is basically what Romans 3 says in verse 10 through 17. It says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have become altogether worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God in their eyes. And he's talking about you and me. There's no one good. You ever heard the, I'm a good person. I try to do good to people. This is what God says about there's no one good. Romans 3, uh, 23 says it this way. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's standard. There's no one good. All have sinned and fallen short of God's standard. So why did Jesus come and have to die? Romans 6, 23. Why did Jesus have to come? It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What that means is the payment that sin offers you and me is eternal death. The payment of sin is death. You and I are all guilty. All of us are guilty. And there's no way out. You can't do enough good. You can't stop the addiction. You can't mend the relationship. You can't cover it up. You can't say you're sorry enough. There's nothing that we could ever do on our own in our human flesh nature. You can't be strong enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't have the education. You can't get enough money. It says that there's nothing we can do. Nothing. We're stuck with this sin problem that will eventually lead us to hell. And this is true for everyone. This is not just true for Christians. This is not just true for for religious people. This is not subjective truth. This is the truth for all of humanity. And this is the part of the news that's kind of bad news. Is that we're all hopeless. But the good news shines from the backdrop of the darkness that sin brings. That's the bad news. This is the good news. We were hopeless. 1 John 3, 5. But you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. So this is what happened. You and I could never pay back the debt that we owe from our sin. The payment, the, the, the payment that our sin offers is death. And Jesus came. He came as a man. He lived a sinless, perfect life. Every time you lied, he told the truth. Every time you lusted, he didn't. Every time you looked at porn, he didn't. Every time you slept with your girlfriend before you got married, he didn't. Every time that you got got drunk, did something and you regretted it, he didn't. Every time that you did that nasty thing, every time you gossiped, he didn't. He was perfect. He's perfect. And all those things, I'm lifting off those sins, and those sins, there's sins, No, all, all the, it's all the same. All sin leads to the same place. And he said he came to take away that sin. Not just the sin, but the payment that sin required. You see, there came a day where Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. And there came a day at 33 years old when he knew it was his time, and he went to the cross He gave up his own life, and he hung on a cross. And the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why is he cursed? He's cursed because he became the curse that we deserved. Jesus, hanging on a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He became, this is what 2 Corinthians 5 says. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. And he says God made him who knew, who had no sin, to be sin. Another translation says to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, God was not happy and pleased that humanity was on their way to hell. He loved the world so much that he he sent Jesus to actually become sin. And the one who never did anything wrong hung on a tree so that you and I could hear this message and be translated from darkness into light to anyone who believes. This is what John 1.29 says. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes it away. You see, this is the good news of the gospel is that you and I are sinners apart from God. We are sinners deserving of everything that Jesus went through. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son Jesus to take your and my place so that we could become transformed, changed from the inside out, consciences cleared, so that we would no longer live the way we used to live. We'd live unto God, be changed forever, so the world could see that salvation is for all. This is why Jesus came, to save you and I from that nasty, nasty sin that separated us from him in the first place. Romans 10, verse 9 says If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it said you'll be saved. See, there's no, there's no trickery here. There's no manipulation with God. Listen, he says, I sent Jesus. And my, the way that I'm going to get this message of redemption and reconciliation and hope and freedom out to the world is that like I'm going to send people, I'm going to send my word out. And they're going to proclaim to people that there's no hope for them apart from Jesus. And all they have to do, this is it. So we say, well, how do I get that free mercy? How do I get that forgiveness? How do, I get, how do I get that freedom from all my sin? Jesus says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Which basically means you're confessing that he is the master of your life from this day forward. And it says, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. It says, you will be saved from all of the punishment and consequence of your sin. And not only that, he says he'll give you the Holy Spirit who will be with us and with you forever. And we can actually enter into a true relationship with God, but we cannot enter a relationship with God until we have heard and known the gospel. You can be spiritual, we can be New agey, whatever is out there, we can, be, we can be open-minded. We can be all these things, and we can think we're connected to God. But until we know the gospel that Jesus came to forgive me of my sin, he took my place, I turn from my old ways, look to God, and I run to Jesus, until I do that, there is no salvation. Paul says, this is the gospel that saves. No other gospel saves. Move on. 1 Corinthians 15.3. According to the scriptures. So he's going, he's going through this whole narrative about how Jesus, he's telling the, prince, the basics of the gospel, and he includes in here this phrase, Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. It, it, it seems like you might just read over it, but it's extremely important. Because the Bible is the account. It gives the account and the path to salvation. And it is our standard on which we lay every foundation is our understanding of the gospel in this book. <laughs> and that's why we need to know it and we need to hide it in our hearts and we need to read it. and We need to understand it and love it with our whole heart. This is what it says in Second Timothy. In Second Timothy, um, it, it mentions that there are going to be times when culture will be lovers. Think about think about culture right now, right? Okay, think about all the YouTube videos that you've seen of crazy people at political rallies. Think about all the crazy people on Instagram who do crazy things, right? Think of all the crazy TikToks that you've seen of people, okay? Think about all the crazy Instagram famous people who post 900 million pictures of themselves making the same duck face. Think of all the crazy people, all the dudes out there who, who post them, pictures of themselves shirtless over and over again on Snapchat and Instagram, okay? Think about that. I mean, don't think about it too much, but okay. <laughs> You'll get the point. There are times when people will be lovers of themselves. It says, think about this with the age of information and YouTube and people learning so much information. They will always be learning, but won't have knowledge. And it says at this point, persecution will hit the church. But this is what it says right after that. Are you ready for this? He's. Paul is speaking to Timothy. Doesn't this sound like America right now? I'm not saying like we're in the end times. I'm just saying that the Bible is giving us instructions on how to navigate the cultural pressures that we're facing. But if we don't know the Bible, then we're out of luck. It gives the answers. 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 17. Paul's talking to this young Christian leader named Timothy and how from infancy you have known the Holy Spirit. Scriptures which are able to make you wise for what salvation Salvation. through faith in Christ Jesus, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he's saying people are going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to call good evil and evil good. There's going to be persecution that hits. They're going to be always learning but never have knowledge. And he says the next verse is like, listen, you need to know the Bible. You need to know what the Bible says about salvation. You need to know what the Bible says about everything because There's going to be so much knowledge that's going to be bombarding you. If you don't have a foundation for what the Bible teaches about salvation, you might be swept away in a movement that leads you to death. That's what Paul's saying there. And I'm I'm saying this as a warning to you, as a a plea to you to be reconciled to God, to not fall in the wayward, uh, fall in the pressure of culture to to be postmodern, to not believe in any truth, fall in the wayward pressure of of calling good evil and evil good and and bowing down to to the political pressure and 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 the social pressure of being a Christian. Don't back down. Dig in. Dig in. But don't get dig into your opinions. Dig into this word. Because it is able to bring, make you wise for salvation. This last part of 1 Corinthians 15 that we're working through, says that he was raised on the third day. This is the last part of the gospel that we know. Christ died and he rose again. He died for our sins and he rose again. You see, he died for our sin, but on the third day, it says death could not hold him, and he was raised back to life from the dead. This is not an allegory, it's not a metaphor, it's not a fictional story. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read it earlier, it says there were over 500 people who witnessed Christ raised from the dead. But what's the significance of Jesus being raised from the dead? Death could not hold Jesus in the grave. Because he had not sinned. He defeated the consequences of sin because there was no sin in him. His his resurrection is the proof that his blood was the perfect sacrifice for all sin. If he had not resurrected, there would be no resurrection of sin. It was a perfect sacrifice proven by the fact that he was raised back to life after being buried for three days. His resurrection was, resurrection was not just for him, but it's called a first fruits of all of us who will be raised back to life after we die. You see, this is the Christian hope that even though we die, we live. This is the Christian hope that even when we die, there's hope even when our family members die, even when, when our friends die, even when there's accidents, is that it says that our bodies, it's not, just a spiritual, uh, it's not just a spiritual resurrection, it says that our actual bodies, touch yourself, will be raised back to life in the last day. And Jesus' resurrection is proof of your and my resurrection, anyone who is in Christ. Isn't that crazy? This is the Christian hope. This is the Christian hope. This is the gospel that Jesus raised and we will raise with him if we believe. And this is the call. What shall we do with this message? What shall we do with this information that I'm communicating to you? Should we shrug it off and say, yeah, I heard that my whole life in church. Heard that from my old pastor. Yeah, okay, what's new? Y'all gonna preach the same thing? Yeah, Jesus died to save our sin. Are you gonna, are you, are you gonna be caught? Listen to this. What shall we do? Acts 2, 37 through 39. Peter preached this same message to over 3,000 people. And it says, uh, it says, when the people heard this, they were caught To the heart. You see, because this isn't an intellectual exercise. This is a heart issue. This is an eternity issue. This is a what, how are we going to live this vapor of a life? And it says when they heard their sin and brokenness and decisions put Jesus on the cross, they were cut at the heart. And Peter said, to them, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and all who are afar off. That's us, afar off 2,000 years later. And here we are preaching the same message and it's still saving people. For all of whom the Lord our God will call They were cut to the heart. What shall we do? Repent. Turn from your old life. Recognize how broken you are and run to that man, Jesus, who died on a cross raised from the dead so that you could be saved. Don't live in your sin any longer. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait till you graduate. Don't wait till you you discover all the religions. Now, today is the day for salvation. And I don't care if you grew up in church and think you're saved. This is a message. If it's cut in your heart, you can't turn away from it. I don't care if you think you're saved. If you know, listen, when I hear this, when I'm reading this, I'm like, God, am I saved? Like, I'm like reading it like, I I know I'm saved, but I'm like, God, I need to understand the weight of the biblical gospel. And if I don't get cut to the heart every time I read it, my conscience is not clear, and I need to revisit the biblical gospel because it is always supposed to cut us to the heart and bring us to praise. So what is our response? What is the response for you tonight? For those of you who have never repented and turned from your own way, have never recognized your sin, and if you've never recognized your sin and have turned to Jesus for saving you from the penalty and the punishment and the consequence you deserve, Tonight is your night to do what the men in Acts 2 is. Repent, believe in Jesus, and be what's called born again. Meaning God changes your eternal destiny in the blink of an eye, not because of your actions, but because of a sincere heart that recognizes that God and Jesus is the only way to eternal life. What's our response of those who are saved? Our response is worship because whenever we recognize the biblical gospel, it brings us to our knees and saying, God, I don't deserve this. It's that reckless love. God, we don't deserve it. I could never earn it. You gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. That's our response. You see, we never get, it never gets old. You never graduate from the gospel you either repent and you are born into the kingdom or whenever you hear it, you raise your hands and you say, God, I'm yours. And I'm going give to you, give you this last little piece. I'm past my time by like 10 minutes. I'm going to give you this last piece. There's always one person that says, keep going. And then it makes me think like, oh yeah, everyone's, but 99 other people are like, just shut up, Jake. I'm so ready to go. I'm, I have to go to the bathroom. And <sighs> two, I got two people to say, keep going. So I'm gonna, if you could turn to Romans 12, this is our response, right? So for those of us that are saved, when we hear the gospel, when we understand the gospel, this is what should happen. Romans 12.1. I'm going to turn there with you guys. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the part I want you to see, in view of of God's mercy. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When are we supposed to give our lives fully to God? When is that? When we view God's mercy You see, we can't muster up the the courage to sacrifice our life for Christ. It's only when we see the mercy that God has shown us through Christ that we can actually offer our lives back to him. And this is worship. Would you guys bow your heads with me? You guys, tonight is the night of salvation. For some of you, this is exactly what you needed to hear. This is the beacon of hope that you needed. This is the, the wake-up call that you needed. You've known and your conscience is born witness with your lifestyle and God is throwing you a lifeline tonight saying, I'm here to make everything right but you must believe. You must repent and turn from your old ways and Jesus says, I will forgive you of everything you've ever done. And not only that, I will turn the inside of your life around so that you no longer want to do the things you used to do. And you'll start a new life with God that is the best thing that would ever happen to you. If that's you tonight and you know, you know who you are, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. Everyone's eyes closed. If tonight you need and you want to respond to that message of hope and forgiveness. I just want you to open up your eyes and make eye contact with me. If that's me and you're making that decision tonight, just look me in the eye. I wanna pray with you. I see you. He loves you so much. He's so ready just to forgive you and take you on a journey. Tonight is different than the last times that you might have responded to God because the gospel changes things. The good news of Jesus saving you changes things. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you just to bring yourself to him. Repent sincerely and just say, God, I want what you have for my life. Would you, everyone, just pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your saving power. I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. Thank you for loving me and sending Jesus to taking my place. I believe that Jesus raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with God. Holy Spirit, I'd invite you into my life. Turn everything around on the inside of me. I repent and turn from my old ways, and I look up and I run to Jesus. Make the scriptures come alive to me. Give me, God, a desire to love your word. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.